0: Roll for initiative. Hello all you nerdy adventurers, I'm your host Heath, and I want to welcome you to today's episode of Everyday Dungeon Master... Podcast for the everyday DM and the players who love them. Today's show is about improving your role playing ability uh, when it comes to NPCs and during combat scenes, backstories. Just as a DM in general, how to improv your way and wing your way to amazing adventures and stories. You know, there might be a situation we, we've all been there, right? We're as a DM, you've been in this situation. It presents itself. You don't know exactly what to say because you were not prepared for it. At least me, my players always do this to me. I don't think they ever do anything that I prepare ever. Uh, and so you, you're you forced to improv. You're backed into a corner. Your improv ability has to come out. And uh, so yeah, that's where you find yourself. So today's episode is to give you tips and tricks on how to do better improv. There we go. That's 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 the hot take. So I'm really excited for today's topic. Really excited to dig into uh, today's show. So today's guest, Dungeon Master, loves camping, hiking, and jeeping his way across the outdoors. And when he's indoors, he loves watching anime, and he is here today to wing this podcast with me. (laughs) That was a good one. Please join me in welcoming to the show, Dungeon Master, Michael. Hello, hello. Howdy. How are you?
1: I am doing well tonight.
0: That's good. Good to hear. Good to hear. So thanks for agreeing to the chaos and madness that is this podcast. (laughs) <laughs> well, let's go ahead and jump into the icebreakers for today's episode. Uh, excited to dig a, dig into a little little icebreakers and get to know you a little bit better, Michael. So, how long have you been DMing?
1: Uh, DMing itself, I've probably been doing it off and on for about ten years now, taking little breaks either because of personal uh, issues, like work or other reasons. As a general player, I've probably been doing this since I was like 12, 13.
0: Wow. That's awesome, man. Well, you have me beat, clearly. I've only been doing this since 2020, so I am I am the student and you are the master. So, I'm excited to hear hear what you have to say uh today. All um right. did you start as a player then and and you moved your way into the DM role?
1: Yeah, I did uh, mainly because I was always looking for groups and you can find more players than you can DMs typically. So I'm like, you know what? I'll take up the mantle myself. I looked up uh, different role aspects and just kind of read into it. Then from there was some like acting uh, classes that I had in high school and middle school, and I'm like, you know what? Let's give it a shot. And the people that I DM'd for at one point were like, dude, that was awesome.
0: Sweet. So that so basically you sound exactly like me in the sense of like that's why i did it. it was like i literally couldn't find a group to play with and i was like well i guess i'm gonna dm yep <laughs> um do you like so now that you've done both what role do you prefer
1: uh it's kind of hard to say because uh, as a dungeon master It can be a little, uh, demanding, uh, both of your personal time, uh, physical aspects and mentality, but as a player, you really don't have much of a, any of that physical or mental breakdown as a dungeon master. So it's kind of 50, 50.
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I I think I kind of agree with you. I, I love DMing. Don't get me wrong, but. There are definitely weeks where I'm like, I...
1: Can, I can I just play now for right. today?
0: <laughs> like Just one time, please. Someone yeah. out there take me as a one shot, please.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, I, I generally try to have at least two different games uh, that I'm in, one as a dungeon master and then one as a player. So that way I can be like, I can just unload my frustrations on the other DM. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's the way that is that is the way to do it right there for sure. So what's your DM style then like a little bit?
1: DM style is definitely chaotic. Uh, you gotta keep up with your players and they're generally chaotic in, in themselves. Uh, they're not on a train track uh, as much as you would like them to be. Uh, so you kind of ha- I've seen this um, meme somewhere uh, It's like hurting a bunch of cats.
0: it but honestly that literally is like the perfect definition or the perfect like picture to paint when you're talking about dming a party yes i was talking to one of my players the other day and they literally were like do we ever do anything that you ever put down on paper and i said absolutely not you don't like you (laughs) yes you do because i force it i I, I bring it back around and i'm like well you're gonna face this monster anyway even though you thought you're gonna get away from it like but otherwise like no they don't follow anything that i think they're gonna do so I agree that you have to be definitely you know, improv focused a lot of the times. Do you tend yeah. to like, are you a kind of stringent on the rules or do you kind of like to play like rule of cool more often?
1: Uh, more rule of cool. Uh, Cause when you're improving, if it sounds cool, okay, let's do it. Uh, now there will be times where you do have uh, the rule lawyers uh, in your party uh, of, of PCs. So you're like, got to rein them in a little bit so they're not trying to ruin the fun for everybody else and that that's more about what playing dungeons and dragon is to me having fun cut and loose having a drink with your friends and just having camaraderie with everybody
0: that's definitely one of the like i think the biggest draw for me and like the Uh, that's what I always focus on. It's just, if we're having fun, I don't really care. If you you went and jumped 60 feet in a straight line and it's probably not possible, hey man, if we're all having fun, I don't really care. Do it. Like, you know, like it's all good. You're more than welcome to try. Exactly, exactly. Always, (laughs) always welcome to try. So give us then like one good memorable gameplay moment that lives with you, either as a player or as a DM, either way.
1: Uh, This one is, as a player, it was more of a futuristic Dungeons & Dragons. They had the the mechs and whatnot. I can't remember the actual name of the whole thing. But my player uh, had the original, like, Hummer. So that wide-body, armored, uh, tank-style Hummer. Mm -hmm. With a 50 cal on top. We were ambushing a a caravan that was transporting a mech that we our rebel group needed Mm -hmm. uh so they drop uh rocks from a cliff face that's on one side down on top and take out all the mechs on that side i come out uh out of the forest that i'm in with a three foot round tree trunk i (laughs) the dm at that time was like you had certain numbers to get in order not to screw up your Hummer. You are one off, just one. <laughs> and I come out to the end of the line, so that way I've lined every single one of the mechs on the other side up. And I let loose on my 50 cal just barreling down the line. Again, one number off. And I have my 50 cal red hot and all the mechs are down had i gone one number less than what was needed my gun would have blew up in my face and i probably would have taken some serious damage oh yeah
0: that's a close call on two different occasions
1: the dice gods were with me on that day (laughs) just barely but they were there (laughs) hey
0: i love when they show up you know i love it Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: but uh at as a DM portion of it, uh, it it's just playing with the people that are there with me. That is the most memorable portion uh, as a DM. Just having fun, being there with them.
0: Yeah, I I, I love that. It because it's it's simple, right? There doesn't have to be anything fancy or anything that like no, just nothing extraordinary you just being with a group of people that you enjoy being around and just having fun and letting loose like you were saying earlier that's all the memory you need
1: it's definitely one of the highlights of just having fun outside of work yeah so
0: absolutely i look forward to dungeons and dragons and i cannot wait till work's over so that i can prep (laughs) and build maps and uh, i love it so much Well, cool. Well, I got one more icebreaker here for you, Michael, and then we'll move into our our topic for today, which I'm stoked about, by the way, so I'm really excited to get into it. But here's the last one I have for you. Where is the most random place that you can remember that gave you inspiration for your D&D campaign? (laughs) Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Is there a story there?
1: I kind of... I never got around to actually implementing it into my game, but I built a Las Vegas style city. Uh, I also took uh, inspiration from another movie, Percy Jackson. Okay. uh, Where they were, got kind of caught up with the the Lotus and were stuck there for a long time. The same thing was going to happen to my players. And a lot of the, NPCs were gonna be sirens hmm. uh, and then the big moss, or the big uh, mob guy uh, that was kind of overseeing everything was a lone shark and he was gonna be an actual humanoid shark so I still have that kind of set up in a notebook so that way I can bring it out later uh, for a game uh, at some point or another
0: uh I, I love the idea of the mob boss being a shark because I'm like that literally like they call him a shark, call him a lone shark and then the shark. I love doing small stuff like that where I'm just like taking like metaphorical like, you know, terms or whatever they are. I don't know. I don't know how to speak English. So whatever the word is for that <laughs> and making it <laughs> and making it like in my game, I do pop culture references all the time, pull it into my games. So I love doing that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. So Sometimes it's like, you're you're making the players groan like, oh, really? You did you you didn't just do that. <laughs> and other times they're like, yes, that is awesome.
0: <laughs> Mainly, I get the groans, but you know, there's the occasional there's the occasional awesome, and, and that makes me that makes me feel good. I do it anyway, even to annoy them. Now at this point,
1: yes, when you do it to annoy them, that is even better because you're like, ha ha, I thrown them off their game. They're not going to expect the next thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely uh were you in vegas when you got this inspiration or is this just you've been to yeah. vegas and so okay cool
1: i was in vegas uh it was the luxor and i'm just like "Ooh, this looks like a good idea and i just started taking picture upon picture and i'm like yes this is gonna work out wonderful. <laughs> uh, i
0: love it i love it that's so cool well, thank you so much for kind of opening up the, your your DM screen, if you will, and letting us take a peek behind and getting to know you a little bit better as a guest. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. Onward ho! All right, so today's topic is how to wing it when role-playing NPCs and during combat and other situations when you're building your story campaigns, when you're just caught in a corner somewhere as a DM. So I'm really excited again for this topic. So let's just dive straight in. I got the first question here for you, Michael. So Mm -hmm. let's start by asking about your DM prep. So when you're designing combat and PC encounters, do you pre-plan like dialogues that you can use or reactions that npcs or monsters might take or do you improv everything in the moment
1: uh i improv probably about 80 percent of everything i do have uh stuff that i do pre-plan just more along the lines of okay my party is this level what type of situation if i want to put them into a dire situation do i need to have those type of creatures or is it just some random BS encounter where it's like they're just going to overpower these little suckers? Yeah. So there's definitely different aspects of everything uh, for how I kind of run my scenarios.
0: Okay. All right. And so talking about a little bit more about like you're putting your, your players in dire situations. So it's like, does it kind of just come out come about based off their actions like is it consequential based or is it more so like i want them to enter some sort of situation and i'm going to make it happen regardless of their decisions
1: yes (laughs) for the simple (laughs) answer um i do take into account the uh player choices that they make Mm -hmm. a lot of the player choices if you're running a set scenario there are really no major consequences because it's not uh, outlined in a, in the storybook. Whereas improv, you can take your notebook and be like, okay, player A did this, player B did that, player C seduced uh, such and such. So it's like, I'll, I'll hold on to that maybe for a couple of months and uh, bring it back out when they've completely forgotten about it and like, Oh shit! I did that, didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. And now they're coming for your head. Crap. <laughs> so, I, I I do like to take their situations and give them consequences. Now, as like a big baddie type of situation, uh, more towards the end of an arc, I kind of give them a uh, little nuggets mm. to find and uh, piece together. And I do have little dialogues for them to kind of uh, have, but again, that's all improv dialogue, uh, depending on the whole situation. They'll, they'll ask questions, and obviously you're not gonna have those questions ahead of time. So right. improv'ing your answer, thinking on the spot is gonna work out to your benefit. And normally, their annoyance <laughs> so there, there's definitely a lot of uh banter going back and forth when uh you have a good baddie uh set up properly
0: so what do you do then in situation? well first off i want to say i love a good vengeance tale like anytime that i can get my co- the player's consequences uh back around to them no matter how long it is between when they make that decision and when the consequence comes i love it uh, especially like you said, when you can blindside them with it, even better,
1: mm-hmm.
0: even better. Um, but talking a little bit about like the npc So how do you handle? So I have this problem in my party, not really a problem because I, I don't mind that they do it. But uh, where my party, they just talk to everybody. They'll like go into a town and they'll just be like, "Oh, oh, who's that over there on the corner? I'm gonna go talk to them. Oh, oh, who's that person over there? I'm gonna go talk to them. How do you handle that on an improv basis? coming up with those like do you have like list of names to pull from do you kind of just say whatever comes to your mind like like where are you at with that
1: i do have a list of names like if they're a major piece like let's say a store clerk of some sort or a king i do have a name list uh back behind the uh dm screen that i can pull from uh it's about five pages long uh so i've got one for elves yeah elves dwarves dragons everything just so that way I can be a little bit prepared on that end of it. I did take a page from Matt Mercer's book on that one. So uh, he has been a little bit of some inspiration uh, to how I kind of do some preparation. Mm -hmm. So definitely having some sort of name generator uh, at your disposal will work in the long run for you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. I like that. I mean, I think, and I like you're saying with Matt Mercer, I've definitely pulled inspo from him as well with my DM prep. I know how I do dialogue nowadays is I try to write up as many different variants of dialogue as possible uh, based off of things that I can think of my players. And it's probably a lot of work and I probably do too much of it. But what I try to do is like, an, especially, if, and I don't do this for like every NPC. I do this for just like main quest givers or main pieces of the story. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, but the party accepts. Great. Here's a couple lines of dialogue that the, the the person might say to them. Or the party rejects their offer. Okay, well, here's some of the things. Or the party's rude to them. Okay, well, here's a couple things they might say. I try to mix it up and have like things like yeah. that on ready to go.
1: Yeah, something like that is definitely worth having because you can always change a couple words around to utilize for somebody else. So if somebody is more prim and proper, Uh, You can definitely reutilize that with some better-sounding grammar. Whereas somebody is more of a in the hovel end of it, uh, they're definitely going to speak more in a uh, with an attitude type of a
0: thing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Do you ever like do you ever in a situation where you have to like change your NPCs on the fly? Like you have this NPC who's supposed to be this like really good aligned, like good character, but then like the players just come in and treat them like absolute garbage and then you're like fine well this person who's usually a nice person is not going to respond to you nicely so i'm going to flip that script and be like he's going to be real rude or whatever
1: yeah there's definitely some of that that goes on uh and that again that's where the improv comes in like if you feel like it's gonna hurt that type of npc okay there's your consequence
0: yeah no absolutely and i think that it's important to have consequences prepared right for For all Mm -hmm. of that for sure well then talking a little bit more about npcs how do you like create them to give them like meaning and depth right like do you have a lot of demographics on them like already planned out so that they have like a full like not a full story but like at least some sort of a story that players can discover like how do you go about that
1: i I generally have like a uh, one or two uh sentence background uh for npcs especially if they're more going to be the players are going to come back to them at another point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's just somebody that they're coming across like they're traveling through a city, not going to stay much, and they just needed to go to the shop real quick, no. I'll introduce them as like, uh, this dwarven gentleman, Gosteel, or something like that. and Leave it at that. Yeah, I'll leave it at that, at that point. Yeah. If they ask more questions on that, okay, I'll answer said questions.
0: But otherwise... Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, as DMs, we already have our work cut out for us. right? We, we we can't write up oh, like yeah. <laughs> paragraphs on every single possible person you could meet, right? So,
1: yeah, if we did, we never actually enjoy DMing because <laughs> your your head's gonna go one way, and then it's just gonna keep going off on that tangent and another tangent, and so on and so forth.
0: I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. I, I try to like I'm like I try to find my balance of of over prepped versus like like use like improv and finding that sweet spot where I'm like, I, I don't want to be caught fully off guard, but I want to be able to practice my improv enough that I can get myself out of a corner if I need to. Yeah. So how do you then like, how do you wing conversations? Like to, let's go back to, let's go, let's go right into the topic of winging things. Like when you're, when you are backed into that corner and they're just like talking and talking and talking, asking questions, asking questions, like how do you like, what are some tools or tips or tricks that you use to like, Like, I don't know, get yourself out of that position and and improv your way through a conversation.
1: Uh, Well, if it's uh, more along the lines of they're talking to a shopkeep, um, the simple statement of, so what brings you in here again, Mm -hmm. usually gets them back on track uh, to get them going again, kind of steer them back onto the train tracks as it were.
0: Okay. All right.
1: If it was more along the lines of a, of a guardsman kind of walking, Uh, kind of pull something from Skyrim. No lollygagging.
0: (laughs) I love Skyrim. That's such a great game. Yeah. I I like that because you're taking, you're making your NPCs more realistic just by making simple statements. Like if you're in, if I'm in a grocery store and I'm trying to talk to the cashier and my order, like they're done ringing me up, they're going to eventually be like, you got to, you got to move on. Or like, we got to, you got to keep going here because I got other things I got to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, or even the throwing in uh, the statement of another NPC comes from the back room and saying, Hey, so-and-so I need your help back here real quick. Mm. And then that kind of uh, shuts down everything at that point. Cause he's like, okay, uh, I got to go take care of this. Uh, thank you for your coin today. Uh, have a wonderful day. And he leaves in through the back door.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's smart. That's smart. I like that. I, I think, you know, I think as DMs, especially if you're a newer DM, at least for me, I felt like I had to always play along with the, with the players. I always had to be like, well, if you're going to ask a question, I always have to answer it. And so I would get bogged down a little bit, but knowing that's a great tip for newer DMs and, or even older DMs who might not have that fully down. Mm-hmm. Great tip there is just, you don't always have to play along. You can literally just be like you said, get yourself out of that situation and then and push the story forward.
1: Yep. Yeah, it, it's all about the story in the long run as well. Yes, you're there to have fun, but you're also there to tell a story.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on to a little bit about combat then. Do you prepare like lengthy combat intros when the party stumbles across monsters? uh, Or do you just kind of improv the whole interaction prior to fighting? Or do you just go straight into fighting and you're like, roll for initiative and that's just what you do?
1: Um, I do a little bit of all of that. Uh, okay. if it's more of a bigger boss, where it's like the head honcho or second lieutenant or whatnot, I'll do more of an intro. Okay. Uh, whereas if there it's it's a random encounter type of thing, there will be no roll for initiative. Boom, you're hit by an arrow. Mm-hmm. Where did it come from? And that's the reason why I love goblins so much. It's just one of those little nuance monsters that can just get under their skin
0: mm, mm-hmm. yeah and like just come out of nowhere i mean because goblins are, yeah. they're so they're so good at sneaking around so they can just literally As, be hiding
1: especially in a forest yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I, I love ambushing uh, I, I love a good ambush especially when i'm on the dm side Mm-hmm. okay cool no that's really that's really cool do you ever like do you ever let your players parlay with the with an enemy? Even if they're like the evilest of evils, do you ever let them parlay and see where it goes?
1: The evilest of evils? Not so much bandits or uh, kind of like uh, neutrals, I'd say. Uh, sure. Or maybe even like a, an evil that's just off the fence evil. Yeah. Uh, definitely, if they want to talk through it, I'll let them talk through it. But if it's more like a consequence from their actions, yeah, mm-hmm. that ain't happening. Uh, or it's the final big bad evil guy at the end of the story. Definitely okay. not happening. They're there to A, wipe out the party, or B, get wiped out by said party. Mm-hmm. So,
0: Yeah, no, that that makes sense. That makes sense. I, I tend to be a little bit more on the... Roll for initiative, probably pretty quickly, because uh, usually I want them to fight. Because I, I've, I've, I've pulled out some amazing monsters that I just am excited to run. <laughs> so I like, I want to force them to fight. But I, I mean, i try to get better. I'm trying to get better, at letting them parlay and talk through things. If that's what they want to do.
1: Yeah, it it also has to do with like their uh, languages too. Mm, yeah. They may come across uh, monsters or NPCs that don't. Understand common or any of the languages that they speak, right. so there's no way to parlay there. True, and and if they can't understand you, they think you're there in a threatening manner. Yeah, Goal for initiative.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I always think I that's too something that I always do is I always I always just assume everything can speak common unless the, uh, of course a monster saplock doesn't like says it can't, but typically. But I like that idea. Like have a humanoid like bandit for example but like have them be like some foreign bandit that doesn't speak any language other than infernal i don't know pull a random one out you know type of thing and that's kind of cool that's kind of a cool idea for sure Mm -hmm. so i like that speaking a little bit more on combat then is i know when we were talking prior to recording um and getting you set up and scheduled you talked about having like random encounter charts and tables for for running combat how do you know like when to pull that stuff out? You know, like do you do just do random dice rolls and that's the monster or do you have like another way you use your random tables to like wing combat?
1: Yeah. I do use the tables to kind of, if they're taking too long, uh, trying to figure something out, I'll roll the dice and be like, okay, so these guys are about to ambush uh, the players. So, and Generally, I kind of reconfigure the uh, table depending on the location. So if they're in the deep dark somewhere, maybe more uh, driders and drow uh, or deep dark gnomes, mm-hmm. uh, that type of stuff. Kobolds, for instance, uh, just so that way they kind of get a, all, a well-rounded uh, experience with yeah. the monsters.
0: No, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. And do you, speaking of combat, I just have to ask you, because I'm trying to to visualize it here, Mm -hmm. is do you do basically theater of the mind? Are you full maps and minis, like somewhere in between? Where are you at?
1: I'm full maps and minis. I have a 3D printer. I have a subscription for Loot Studios, which is an awesome subscription to have if you've got 3D printers. Uh, So I print them out. I set them up. None of them are painted, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I make my own terrains as well out of uh, foam uh, that you can get at the hobby store or Home Depot, for instance. And I actually made a portal out of an old cell phone and foam. I found a YouTube video. Uh, that plays sound for a portal and has uh, graphics going for said portal. I made the stand for around it. So it's got stairs that are going up into it. Uh, So there is some preparation on that end for things. But when you have a lot of minis, it does take up a lot of space, but you're able to do random encounters a lot easier. So that way you can be like, Okay, so this happens, yoink, 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 uh, pull them out, and boom. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Man, I can't wait to get a 3D printer. I I told my wife as soon as we, well, I think we're buying a house, I don't know, hopefully we're buying a house soon, and if we buy a house, then I'm definitely getting a 3D printer and, like, taking up an entire room, (laughs) Just, just just for my hobby. Yes, yes. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but uh, loot Studios we'll have to link to that in the show notes. I'll do definitely do that so for, for everyone out there that has a 3D printer, uh, we'll link that over so you can see what Michael's talking about and and uh, and utilize that subscription if, if it works for you. Well cool man I, I, let's switch gears a little bit then and we talk about combat a little bit so let's let's talk about adventures and story arcs and things like that. So you know yeah. I know with it with story arcs and things like that quests and tasks come up now do those come up organically? in conversation with your improvs or do you plan out like your story arcs fully with all the quests and missions and things like that?
1: No, it, it has a tendency to come out, uh, somewhat inorganically. Like, uh, I've got their backstories, uh, in my notes and everything. And I keep it in the back of my mind. And I'm like, well, they're going here. I do believe somebody mentioned something about that area. So Go through the notes and be like, okay, I'll I'll put that into one of the sessions when they get to it. So I do a little bit of planning, but it's a lot more improv for me. So that way I can give them uh, a better uh, story. And if their backstory comes into play, they're just like, oh, yes, I know this. And I usually give them more of an advantage to certain situations when their backstory comes into play
0: yeah that makes sense uh i like that i mean i think i probably plan a little bit too much but i like the the organic or inorganic whatever like feel of it of uh quests coming up through like conversation have you ever had like one you're like someone walk up to an npc like one of your players walk up to an npc and just be like hey you got work and you weren't really planning for that and like do you just figure it out then on the fly
1: kind of sorta i have uh some different decks that are quest-giving decks. So I utilize those to be like, if I need them to go into a far-off location, I'll pull... There's one that's for far-off locations. I'll pull something out of there to kind of have them going in that general direction that I need them to go. Or I can be like some normal everyday stuff that you would see in either anime uh, for like the isekai genre that's out there i have a rat problem
0: mm-hmm. go
1: go take care of the rats or i need 10 pelts of bears please go get me those so there there are certain things that if it's not needed right then and there i'll, I'll improv something like let's say they need uh some quick coin because they went to a merchant and the price was a little out of their price range mm-hmm they can go into different people and be like, "Hey, you got work? Like, yeah, do such and such for me." So that, that's where that stuff can kind of come into play. Um, but yeah, having those decks definitely come in handy. So when
0: you were talking about like the the deck, it like and, and like the different types of jobs it it can come up with. I was thinking in my head, like, I don't. Do you ever play World of Warcraft?
1: Uh, every so often, yeah.
0: Okay. So there's this like really infamous quest in the barons. Uh, I think you have to be a horde character. I, don't, I can't remember. But you have to collect like 120 centaur like hooves or something like that. And I remember yep. the take, it took so long. The drop rate was so bad. But that was just, it was funny to me because I'm like, I could just imagine my talking to my D&D car- uh, players and just being like, yeah, so uh, maybe you can go collect, uh, you know, 15 uh, lucky rabbit feet. And then they just have to just like slaughter all the rabbits they see, and the drop rate's just horrible, so they can never complete it, <laughs> and just watch them go mad.
1: <laughs> hey, yeah, or they they get all the rabbits' feet, and the guy kind of tallies them up, but he has like this uh, appraisal, and it's like, well, you got all these rabbit feet, but only six of them are lucky. <laughs> so they bring in all these rabbits' feet, and it's like. You gotta be kidding me. No! <laughs> Evil DM moments.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. I love it too. Like, you could also just, the, the appraisal stuff, like, they're like, oh, you need a diamond worth at least this much gold, like, this, this much uh, gold or whatever. And then they bring uh-huh. in a diamond and you're like, just under. You're like, it needed to be worth 500. It appraises for 495. Uh- <laughs> what? No! <laughs> uh i love i love good things like that to just toy with your character or your players it's great
1: yeah it's a lot of fun
0: well in your opinion uh michael do you do you think that like total improv is a better way to dm than planning like every detail
1: i would say no because not everybody can do it Mm -hmm. there there are certain people that are able to improv and be able to do it So if you want to give it a try, do not hesitate to do so. If it just doesn't come out naturally to you, like you just don't feel it's working for you, then don't be scared to be like, hey, let's just try and keep this on track and just continue forward. So just have clear communication between you and your players. In my opinion, it is going to have a much greater respect for everybody. And everybody will be able to enjoy it uh, because of that.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's a great statement to emphasize to any player out there who has not yet DM'd because maybe they're, they feel intimidated to DM because they don't know if they're going to be good at it or they, they just, it seems like it, ta- it takes a lot. Just give it a go and don't worry about how it goes. Like, take Michael's advice here Like try improv ing it. And if you can't improv, it's okay to be like, hey, guys, let's stick on story because mm-hmm. you know, while you're still developing your improv skills or whatever it is. Like, but the most important thing is you just give DMing a try because I think everyone should. I've said that in, on many episodes before. I think everyone should try DMing at least once just to see what it's like on the other side of the screen.
1: Mm-hmm. Most definitely.
0: All right, so I got a final question here for you, Michael, before we. Jump into Monster Spotlight. And that is, how do you implement character backstories when improving encounters with NPCs or bad guys or into story arcs in general?
1: I generally try to tie in the story arc or not the story arcs, but the backstories to each other a little bit, uh, kind of behind the screen of the DM. One of the campaigns I was running uh, was out of. Matt Mercer's world, Alexandria, I was actually utilizing the whole entire map, not just little portions. Uh, I actually had two uh, player characters that were half siblings, Mm -hmm. and they had no clue that they knew that they were siblings at that point. But I had that hidden uh, close to my chest on that one, and they were never sure why they would get this inkling. Nether kind of situation i had a player that had an unknown uh patron uh at the time it was the big bad evil guy yeah he just didn't know and uh i was gonna have it revealed at the end like how's it going little man and speak to him in the way that his patron normally speaks to him so that way his eyes just open up wide like what (laughs) no this can't be happening and then at that point, having, hopefully having the entire party look at him and possibly turn on him. Uh, so definitely having some little nuggets in their own own backstory to pull from can make things that much sweeter.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, man, I love that. The, the, especially the patron example you gave, like that is i love when you can just shock your players because they didn't see it coming they didn't see the bridge coming and i love when your players trust you as a dm enough to like Mm -hmm. let you do that right like let you take control in that way of their backstory to to a degree yeah i've already established my players don't listen to my podcast so i can i can talk about my campaign all day and it doesn't matter uh so (laughs) 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 but i have this moment coming up shortly here where kind of what you're talking about, and I'm so amped to see the reaction on it, is one of my players, his backstory was he got separated from his parents because there was a war that broke out. Uh, and that, and a certain group of people came into his homeland and just, like, slaughtered everybody. Uh, and so he got separated from his parents in the, in the middle of the conflict, and he hasn't seen them since. And so he basically had to raise himself in nature by himself. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of his backstory. And I have another character's backstory who... I uh, belonged to a raiding band of orcs. Uh, she was a half orc, but uh, she was adopted by this clan of orcs, and they were a raiding clan. And so they—that's what they did: they raided villages and participated in wars and took spoils and things like that. And they don't know it, but it was her clan that killed his parents. <laughs> And nice. I'm excited because I'm like, oh, what are they going to say when they find that out? Like, how is he going to react to now this person he thought was his friend? Like, is it still going to be like a friendship? Is it going to be like awkward? Like, I love that.
1: Ah, uh, frenemy sounds so <laughs> sweet right now. <laughs> uh, and the saying goes, uh, keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer.
0: It's true. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, and I'm so we'll see we'll see how it turns out, but I'm 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 stoked to see the reaction on that. But well, Michael, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your tips and tricks and your perspective on improv, uh, and winging it. Uh, so let's jump into the the monster spotlight. Welcome back to another monster spotlight. Uh looking forward to what uh what you have for us today, Michael, for your monster. So go ahead and give it a give it a whirl. Who what monster are you spotlighting today for us?
1: Well, I spoke about them a little uh bit ago, uh the goblins. You can definitely do a whole bunch of different things with them. Uh definitely being able to reskin them a little bit, uh, have them more unified as the players get higher levels better equipment type of stuff or when they're first starting out definitely having them as an ambush situation as they're traveling down the road from point a to point b Uh, so that way one they can gain experience and kind of get up there in the higher levels to where they can actually do some better stuff uh, because that kind of takes the worry off of the players a little bit. Uh, That way they're not like, oh god, am I going to die this session? Please, I hope not. (laughs) And I kind of try and push them uh, toward like level 5 generally as quickly as possible. Uh, And having goblin hordes, that helps them out a lot because when goblins finally have a dwindling amount of numbers, they flee. Yeah, so when they see there's like two or three of them left, they'll they'll scatter. Yeah, and the encounter's over. But they're still small enough and sneaky enough to ambush your players. So Mm. that way, uh, you can come up on them all of a sudden and boom, there you are. And then, kind of like the higher leveled stuff, uh, like dragons for instance or cults. Uh, is an even better one where they have like this better gear for whatever cult they're uh, coming across and being able to loot that stuff for their own purposes Mm -hmm. but here's the downside to that you never know if that stuff is cursed or not have fun (laughs) (laughs) I, i have a tendency to curse a few things here and there uh just to kind of keep the uh players on their toes so that way they're not like always trying to grab every little thing and then if they try to sell it uh the npc shopkeeper if he has a good enough appraisal and i usually roll uh, a d20 on that one if i roll like below a 13 or something uh, his appraisal is not going to be very good and he'll probably more than often, buy that cursed item from you. Yeah. Uh, but if he had if I get above like a 13, he'll see the curse on there and be like, you know what? I'm not taking this. You need to get rid of it. I don't care how. Just get it out of my shop now. I, I like keeping my players on their toes for loot as well. Uh, and then even higher, one of the end games uh, for my uh, campaigns was going to be. Vecna. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, he was actually controlling uh, Orcus. Oh. So it's it was one of those things that it was a high level uh, game. I mean, I was going to push him up to like thirty for that. The oh, indie beyond wow. really doesn't go to that level. So it's more a pen and paper, put your stuff together and combine it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> and high risk high reward yeah so to speak but the nice thing about let's say your if they don't survive this okay here's where the improv comes into play you start over post apocalyptic oh the story still continues so that that's the nice thing about uh improv is you can still continue the story beyond total player kill a, TPK, yeah, just kind of change out the uh, scenario that's around them. A lot of villages, a lot of silly cities are burnt to the ground. Uh, that type of stuff. Or hey, they did beat the big bad evil guy. They come back to the main capital as heroes. So yeah, I
0: I love that thought there about po- like a post apocalyptic setting and like. What that looks like if you if you're defeated, uh, in you know in like a high stakes battle or something like that, coming back and seeing that that's I don't know that to me is like an in, in interesting way to handle like a you know like a TPK wipe or something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, I'll I'll kind of throw out one of the scenarios I had. I, I kind of took a uh, Doctor Who, uh, aspect on this one, the Weeping Angels. Instead of like teleporting them into different uh, portion in time. They were teleported into a massive labyrinth. This I actually had pre-planned. Every little nook and cranny had some sort of thing going on. And I had a D20 and numbers throughout the labyrinth, 1 through 20. That's where they landed when they were teleported out. Mm -hmm. And because it is different time and space, that type of stuff, they were gone for five years. And hmm. there were consequences for leaving that plane unattended for that long. Yeah. So it's not one of those things like you're going to think about it right right away. Put it on the back burner. Let hmm. it sit there. And when you uh, come across it later, like let's say you're at work, pull out your phone. Be like, okay. Okay. just jot it down or onto a notebook, carry a notebook with you and jot it down. So that way you can be like, I don't forget that later. Yeah. Having a notebook, a pen and paper of some sort that is D and D esque. Well, if you're trying to improv, will help you out greatly because you're going to think of something when you're not expecting it. And that's the whole point of improv. Yeah. Let it come to you naturally. And then, utilize it later on just i have a notebook that is just completely full of jibber jabber Mm -hmm. uh, little scenarios like this and this happened because that happened or they do this so that's gonna happen so it's, it's just little things that happen in my head and i just i gotta jot it down
0: yeah i think that's really smart is to have Something like that. Like, don't feel forced to like, if you have an improv idea, don't feel forced to use it right away. If if it's going to make more impact later down the road, save it for later, tuck it away. It's, Mm -hmm. it's fine to have little things like that tucked away.
1: Most definitely.
0: Well, thank you so much, uh, Michael for sharing those, those little tidbits about, you know, and goblins are an awesome monster. I love horde monsters. So, uh, that's, that's awesome. Um, and all those other like tips and tricks you shared and, and ways to improve your game through improv, I loved every minute of them. So let's go ahead and jump in then to our uh, our DM tip to close us out.
1: It's more of a saying for me. No plan of operations extends with certainty beyond the first encounter with an enemy's main strength. So in other words, shit's going to hit the fan. Go with it.
0: and that's as simple as that right like yes it is going to hit the fan and if you can just roll with it then your game is going to get better and you're going to improve as a dm and your players are going to have more fun uh i think that's really just like probably the one of the best tips is just roll with it you know
1: yep and that's the whole point just rolling
0: (laughs) just rolling i see what you did there that was great (laughs) That was great. A full circle on that. That's perfect. And that's a perfect way to close it out. So, Michael, thank you so much for being here and for uh, giving us your wisdom and your perspective on the game. It was a joy to talk to you. Um, So, yeah, man, thank you so much for being here, dude.
1: You're welcome. And uh, I hope your game uh, proves prosperous for
0: you. Oh, thank you. Uh, Same to you. Same to you. And I'm definitely going to take some of your little tidbits and tricks and wisdom and implement them in my game starting this week. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: Sweet. Awesome, man.
0: Well, have a great evening. Again, thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk soon.
1: Have a great evening yourself and uh, stay rolling.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Everyday Dungeon Master. If you enjoyed today's show, please give us a follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And if you feel inclined, go ahead, drop us a rating and a review. Love seeing those ratings. Love the reviews. Uh, so please just keep them coming in. If you're a Dungeon Master and you want to appear on a future episode of the show, like Michael did today, or if you are a player or DM and you want to drop future topic suggestions or give feedback, go ahead and contact me. You can get me on at, at email. Is that even how you say that? I don't know. You can, you can email me. There we go. That's what I should say. EverydayDungeonMasterAtOutlook.com facebook and twitter at everyday dm pod uh you can even get me on my personal if you like at kiftastic uh and i'd love to talk to all of you and hear what you have to say about the show and or just DD in general or just about any other random topic you want to talk about because i love talking to people so hit me up and with all of that thank you so much for listening to today's episode happy gaming nerdy adventures and until next time i'll talk to you all well later